Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sherlock. Sure, listen, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure, look, sure, listen. 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 Very good. Wagwan listeners, as they say, Wagwan. Benjamin. Not good. It's very yeah. good, Benjamin. That will be the reason for this will become clear later. But we have a bit of a podcast revelation first for the listeners. We have a bit of news. Benjamin, just moments ago, has accidentally called me master. And oh. we shan't be dropping this. So this will become a recurring theme of the entire podcast. Benjamin will probably be inclined to explain why he has accidentally called me master. But as his master, I shan't be letting him. But sure, look, there's no time for any of that because we've got loads of stuff to look at this week, including the new Doctor Strange trailer and episode two of Moon Knigget. Sure, listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, I've only gone and forgotten what we're doing for the main topic of the episode this week. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yes. No, Michael, we'll be taking a look at the bloody, the bloody common trope of tabula rasa. Mm, or tabula rasa. I'm not sure. It means blank slate, Michael, and we're going to have a look at the bloody use of uh, amnesia in fictional narratives, particularly television and film. Oh, very good. And video games. Benjamin. Yeah. Yep. Also the name of an episode of Star Trek. Yes, Tabula Rasa. Yes, coming, it is, it of course. is the most common name for Amnesia episode specials. How oh, is it? It pops up all over the place, Michael. Coming, all of course, the from the Greek. Benjamin. Yeah. Speaking of uh, Amnesia, do you think Doctor Strange is going to remember who Spider-Man is? I, I don't know, Michael. That was a buttery smooth segue, though. I haven't had one of that. I haven't had one that slippery in a while. Good man. That was very good, um, wasn't it? That was very good. It was. It was very, very good. Come here to me, Michael. I don't know if he's going to remember him. He seems to be having dreams, Michael. Yeah, the same dream every night, and then I wake up in this nightmare. That's yeah, my. That's my. <laughs> that's my Benedict Cumberbatch. Who does that remind me of? It, you're doing your Ultron impression. It's your Ultron I think, impression. Was it? I have no strings. <laughs> no strings on me in this nightmare, Benjamin. Uh, yes, <laughs> I'll tell you what. They're what? not being shy in this latest Doctor Strange trailer about um, presenting Wanda as the vi- villain. Are they? She's literally represented in that trailer, Michael, as the polar opposite of Doctor Strange. She's mm. she's mirroring him. She's a dark mirror, Michael. A black mirror held up to society, Ben. Benjamin. Yes. What really begs the question? This is what begs the question. I'm going to beg you this question, Ben. Go on. All of these movies and films, which have always been promised this interconnected universe, sure, whatever it is now, 23, 24 films deep. Yeah, go on. You definitely need a bit of background knowledge to enjoy them to their maximum potential now. You do. But, no matter how often it's been promised us that the TV shows are going to affect the main universe, it's never really happened. Is it going to happen in this for the first time? Well, I think, not only, Michael, do I think it's going to happen, but I think in order to understand Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, you're going to need to see the animated series What If... I don't believe that for a second. Oh, go on. My brain cannot believe that for a second. I go think on. so. Not only is so there's so there's the um, there's the animated series. What's it called? What if? What if? And that's where all of these weird wonkly wonkly Doctor Stranges come from. Yeah, including Mister Three Eyes, including the fellow with three eyes, Benjamin. But also, 
there's a lot of WandaVision stuff going on. She's back in her house. Billy She's and... looking at her kids. Yeah, Billy and whatever the other one's name is. Willy. She's looking at the yeah, two Billy of them. Billy and Willy, that's definitely it, yeah. <laughs> the two lads, yeah, the two lads. Yeah. Um, William both, but, you know, they have to separate them some way. And I can't believe for a second that they're going to require you to have seen these niche television programs to see a multi-million dollar blockbuster. I don't know what they're going to require, Michael. I think, I think... Go on. What's mm, it that you think? I taste it on the wind, Michael. A little bit of hubris from Disney, maybe. Oh, a bit of hubris. Are you thinking of I hummus, don't... Ben? Uh, oh, I was actually. That'd be nice. Hang on. Just pause the podcast there and I'll go get some. Go get some hummus. Ben had some nice hummus there. It was delicious. There. Nom, nom, nom. Delicious hummus in my belly. Uh, no, I think, Michael, it's probably hubris on Disney's part. I, I, I say that completely falsely, Michael. Disney weighs up these things quite heavily, I'd imagine. Um, but I... I don't know if they perhaps think they're an absolute cultural juggernaut now and they have assumed watcher you know um audience viewership participation in previous things viewership participation in previous things i don't know know, ben because they have the figures on that they know who how many people have seen wandavision they know how many people have seen um bloody what if they know certainly a lot more than we do yeah i suppose that's what makes them green light things so often yeah, yeah. Fascinating, I think. I think that, Ben, that the concept her, of her having kids will be reintroduced in this. They've done it before. They've done it before in these things where they reestablish something very quickly. Mm-hmm. And it works if you've seen the show and it works if you haven't seen it. And maybe if you've seen the show, there'll be a bit more depth to it. But yeah, it still yeah. Works. you'd have the subtle nuances of this background information. Yes, but I think that the evil strangers are going to be entirely different, but quite similar evil strangers. Now, go on. Tell me, tell me a bit more about this. I think we're. I think we'll be treated to the backstory of one of these evil Doctor Strangers. I wouldn't be terribly surprised if the first ten minutes is the life story of one of these evil Doctor Strangers, rather than assuming we've we've got the concept of an evil Doctor Strange from What If. You think that wedding day scene is perhaps the day that evil Doctor Strange lost his Rachel, and so yeah, 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 to, yeah, 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 yeah. To a, Rachel's to a the actress' name. Trying to find it. it. Yes, Rachel's Rachel the actress' name. Yeah, what's well, the, that's what I'm going to call her now. What's the character's name? I can't remember, so she's Rachel. Christine, Christine Palmer. Uh, Rachel Palmer. Yep. Rachel, Rachel Christineson. She's from yep. Norway. Benjamin. Yeah, uh, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we get a movie version of those things. Especially what if maybe they won't re-explain one division, but I think they will. Uh, look, either way, Michael, we're going to see it. Um, yep, 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 yep. We saw Morbius, so we definitely have to see this. I haven't seen Morbius. I've oh, managed to you duck that particular bullet. Sneaky vampire man. I haven't had to deal with that pain in the neck. Oh, very good because he's a vampire. Uh, yeah, and it's because sucks. he's a vampire, mm. and he's been nibbling on the necks of people. Yeah, it's a real drag. Non-consensually, I'd imagine. <laughs> if if Jared Leto has anything to go by. Benjamin. Ooh, yeah. Speaking of uh, creepers, what do you think is going to happen with Ezra Miller? Oh, Michael, that man deserves to lose his career. That was weird. So there's some weird shit on this one. Um, he just keeps getting in trouble. This one's proper trouble. This is this is bursting into someone's private residence and threatening to kill their wife trouble. Like, this is weird. I think he might be a bit of a, um, Ben, you'll have to excuse the not very PC or, uh, you know, mental health friendly term. But I think he might just be a bit of a mentler. 
yeah, he he might just be a bit of a dick, uh, Michael, <clears throat> with a substance abuse problem. I think might mm. be the the issue. I'm not even sure mental health factors in here. I think copious amounts of cocaine is possibly what fuels that. Ah, cocaine, or as it's also known, the speed force. Yeah, the speed force. Yeah, he took it rather literally when he was prepping for the role. He's like, "Oh, go fast!" And it's like, "No, no, Ezra, that's not. That's not. No, no, Ezra, stop, stop. That's oh. way. Gotta People... go fast." People love bodily function noises on a podcast, Ben. They, they yeah, absolutely ideal. love it. They love it. Ideal. Benjamin, yeah. we haven't really been following the story of what happened at the Oscars either, but it's mental that Flash entering the Speed Force won the, Oscar, the People's Choice Oscars Award for the best moment in cinema history. Really? Did yeah. that win? <laughs> yeah. It was fan vote. Did they just fan bomb? The yeah, the Snyder have, fans, yeah. the Snyder fans, Ben. You know they're capable of they're anything. St- those they're so lunatics. organized. They are the most organized group. I think the Snyderverse fans could have defeated the Russian invasion of Ukraine. I think it's entirely possible. I tell you what, say that Zach is over there and under a bit of threat, and they'll have it sorted in fifteen minutes. They'll have it sorted in fifteen minutes. There'll be review bombs. There'll be drones. There'll be all sorts of stuff going on. Our Zach, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, exactly. they will be done. <laughs> be careful, Benjamin. We want to. We have to present a pro-Zack Snyder um, aspect to this podcast or else we are done. Or they'll cancel us. Oh, um, they'll get us. They will come and get uh, us. Uh, all hail, Zach. Um, yeah, I, look, there's there's been very severe rumours, Michael, that you know he's going to lose his uh, Flash contract. And there's been a little fan petition to have Gus Grant, or Grant Gustin, I can't remember his name, the, the fellow who plays yeah. him on the telly. You did. You remembered his name, Benjamin, because it is Grant Gustin. It is Grant Gustin. Very nice. Grant Gustin, uh, to have him replace him, which doesn't make any sense, Michael, but sure, there you go. He's very generic, Grant Gustin. He is, but I think that's why he appeals to CW fans. He's straight off the CW. He's straight off the C-dubs. So, He's straight uh, off look, the TV show Glee. I think we've all known that Ezra Miller's a bit of a bad egg since the whole chokehold a fan in public incident. I don't know if she ever described herself as a fan. Uh, okay, well, chokehold a person asking you for a photograph yeah. incident. Um, probably wanted to report him to someone. Uh, probably, yeah. She's like, hi, what's your full name? Choklam! Yeah, um, yeah he's, he's no use. He's, no, he's use. no use. And then he was he was staying with these people and then decided to to threaten. Yeah, the, he's the, definitely a mentor, Ben. He's definitely he's an absolute definitely mentor. Yeah. If, um, yeah. if the... If the uh, the Flash movie wasn't already going to be mad, this can only make it even more mad. Very exciting, I have to say. His press tour is about to be a nightmare because he currently has uh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Lose Them. And uh, he's probably already in the middle. That poor that poor movie franchise can't get away from abusive men and their They antics. just can't. They can't <laughs> catch a break, can they? Every time they cast someone, they turn out to be a bit of a rotten egg. Bit of a rotten egg, although we don't we don't necessarily know the full story of the Jonathan Depp issue, so we probably shouldn't touch that one at all. Ah, sure. Look, Benjamin, I think they both might be mental. But anyway, speaking of people, speaking of there being multiple sides to the story, Ben. Nice. We've seen we've seen the second episode of Marvel's Moon Knight. Yes, and I'll tell you what, Ben. Some people are loving it, and some fans are real pissed off. Okay, would the fans be pissed off because there are major uh, there are major changes to the backstory of the character? Major changes in the everything of the character, Ben. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on. There's so much stuff going on. Will we go into spoilers or will we talk generically about the episode first? 
well, let's have a little generic uh, review and then we'll do an in-depth uh, kind of entombed spoilers gig. All right, good, very good. Nice little Egyptian pun there as well. Thanks, I worked very hard. I found it very enjoyable, Ben. I'm still loving it. I absolutely loved episode two, far more than I liked episode one. Very, very good. Good, excellent. I like Oscar Isaac. I think he's carrying it very well. I think it's good that he's a short king. I think I think it's great. It's good representation for the likes of you and I, Michael, in Hollywood, i tell you that much. Excuse you, Ben. I am taller than you. Also... And not with my lifts. It had Not with your lifts in. No, with your lifts in, you're taller. Benjamin, it had my single favourite line in uh, in anything uh, where there's two versions of one person where he says, Oh, oi, oh, I don't care how handsome you are. You are not yeah. telling me what to do. It's very good. Very good, Benjamin. That's exactly what I would say to myself in the mirror. That is what you say to yourself in the mirror every time we start this Every podcast. morning. Every morning I say it to every myself. Morning. Benjamin. Um, yeah. Conchu's very venomy, isn't he? Uh, he's he's becoming more and more venom by the moment, Michael. There's um, well, well, we'll get into it in the full spoilers one. But uh, F. Murray Abraham is the man doing all the voicing for him. Who's he? Um, been? Uh, F. Murray Abraham is a very famous uh, screen actor from many many years ago. Uh, he's still quite popular now. You can catch him in Apple TV's Mythic Quest, which is very good. It's a Rob Rob Meckle thing that he did for. Apple TV, it's very, very good. He plays someone very cool in that. He's very famous for one thing, and it escapes me, so I'm looking it up as we speak. He's in Stargate. He was in Stargate for something. But he was, was he? also in something else. This is terrible podcasting. Anyway, he voices Conchu, and uh, he's 82 years old, Michael. Get out of town. He was in Amadeus and Scarface, Michael. That's where we know him from. He was also in the Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, and 13 Ghosts, if you remember that little... Strange horror gem. He's not in Stargate. He's in Star Trek, Ben. He's in Star Trek. He was testing you and you passed. Well done. Um, One no, of the but, stars. Uh, he was in Amadeus. He was quite big in that. He played the he played the big rival in Amadeus. Uh, no, sorry. He played Amadeus in Amadeus, I think. Amadeus, Amadeus. Ben, you've turned off your camera. I can't see anymore. I've turned off my camera. You can't see me anymore. The tragedy, I can't see Michael. you. I can't bloody oh. see you. I can't see you talking about F. Murray Abraham. Benjamin. Yes. Let's get into the spoilers a little bit because the spoilers are where the meat and two vegetables are. All right, so full oh, spoilers back. now. If you haven't watched episode two of Moon Knight starring one Oscar Isaac in multiple forms, get out of here. Get out of here. Benjamin. Yes. They have completely reimagined his powers and his multiple per- superhero identities. Oh, Michael, there's so many changes here that are bound to annoy some people. And some people are loving it, Ben, and some people are saying, I'm not loving it as much. Um, so I, I suppose the biggest one, Michael, and the one that excited lots of people when we saw it in, in promotional material is the Mr. Knight persona. Tell us about him, Ben. Who is he and what does he want? So initially, when, when conceived, Michael, by Warren Ellis and Declan Shalvey, good Irishman Declan Shalvey, who did all that design work himself, well done him. The show's not going to give him any credit, so we will. I think it is a little bit. Uh, but he's anyway, a, he's, Mr- up on, he's up on Twitter and he seems happy enough about it. Oh, good. All right. Well, then in that case, it doesn't matter. Uh, Mr. Knight, Michael, is one of one of the many forms of Moon Knight that exists within the comics. So Moon Knight has multiple forms. He has superhero mode, mm. um, which is kind of a, a far more Batman-esque costume, but in a brighter white. There is, he's lepping and jeffing uh, around the place. There's ancient um, Moon Knight, 
who does all the mystical fighting and stuff like that. And that's a little bit closer to the initial costume we saw on the show. Mm. And then there's Mr. Knight, who's kind of a modern, suave, Sherlock Holmes-style um, beat-em-up character. He's pretty, fellow, he's pretty cool. Yeah, he's, he's in a dapper suit and he'll give you a punch in the head. And he was instantly a hit with fans. People were just like, this is a very cool fucking version of Moon Knight. Yeah. Um, and they really, really liked him. And he's very, very cynical, very, very violent and he's just a, he's just a smooth operator, Michael. Yes, and I'll tell you what's not going on in this show, Ben. Go on. That. Yeah, in this, he Mister Knight seems to be a mistake of Stephen Grant. Yeah, he misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah, he he just assumes that the suit is the thing. So that's really interesting, um, and it does seem to be a little bit of an insult to a character that has like a big history as you know the calm mechanical logical version of Moon Knight um, he's not in this he's very silly uh, the, that entire scene for me Michael was a joy to watch yes he's um, a very seri- silly English fellow uh, he's a very serious English fellow he's doing alright with that accent I thought it was going to be a lot worse yeah no it's fine it's totally fine I thought it was going to be a lot worse he's doing okay I'll tell you what though one of the things that makes Mr. Knight, to my mind, look a bit silly is his head. His head's a little bit too big. Go on. The mask, obviously, in the comics, it's it's like a, a classic piece of fabric over a head. Yes, and classic. In comics, a classic piece of fabric over a head can look very good because you can draw all the features and stuff on it. But in real life, if you put a piece of fabric over your head, you look like either a children's costume from the 80s of a Halloween ghost. Yep. Or like a Ku Klux Klansman, or yes, or less yeah. racistly, uh, someone out for their big stag do uh, wearing a green morph suit in Cardiff exactly. weekend, and it looks crap, and it looks crap in real life. Yes, so the 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 helmet he it's not just a piece of fabric over his head; it's a helmet in this. It's a helmet with a structure, yeah. and one of the unfortunate things about that is it makes his head look gigantic. It does because it pads it out in all the weird directions because the suit is quite slim and form fitting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got the big, the big head. I quite enjoyed it all the same, Michael. I think the the ripped seam down the middle of the mask is a good addition. Um, yeah, little split personality in nod. Exactly, exactly, Ben. There. The duality yeah. of man, I think. The duality of man. Uh, well, that's not the only thing people are annoyed about it, imagine, Michael. Um, the other thing is that Mark Spector doesn't seem to be the prime identity. Go on. Um, well, it, there seems to be some confusion over who is who. Um, in this, I think a lot of people were banking on Mark Spector taking over as the main character, um, and we we haven't exactly seen that yet um, because he's wrestled control back from Stephen Grant, mm. um, and it, it, in the original comics, Mark Spector is a young Jewish man um, who, and that was important. That's why I'm including it because there was uproar about that as well. Um, mm. He was a young Jewish man. Um, who developed disassociative identity disorder at a very young age, manifested Stephen Grant, then Jake Loxley, and has dealt with mental health all his life. Now, depending on Mm. which comic you read, Michael... Well, that's the rub, isn't it, Ben? That's the rub. Depending on which comic you read, you get a different origin story. That's the rub. I'm saying that's the rub. The rub is... the rub. I'm saying that's the rub. That's what I'm saying is is the rub. rub. But what's the rub? What are you... you, what's, What's the rub? Depending on what version you read is, you get a different backstory. So in the no, initial... But, yeah, but that's what I'm saying then. That's the rub. Um, so it depends on what version you read. It does indeed, yeah. That's that's what we said. That is the rub. <laughs> that's In many ways, that's the rub. I, I think we should just stop doing this podcast. I think we're done. <laughs> I 
Benjamin. Peaked. Yeah. Benjamin. Um, yeah. And it's always been a bit ambiguous as to whether he has powers or not. Yeah. So he he in the comics he definitely doesn't, and that's what scares people about Moon Knight. Mm. People people realize at some in most Moon Knight stories, someone realizes at a certain point that he's just a man, and yeah. that's what's scary about him because he just keeps coming. Yeah, as a man, he's a very fearless man. He gets the shit kicked out of him constantly, and he won't stop. And then characters are like, "Oh, that's." Oh, and it's really bad. Now, he sometimes has a little weapon or a little gadget, Michael. Mm. Get himself out of trouble. Two sticks. Two sticks. Um, but in this particular case, in this particular case, um, he has nothing. No, um, in this case, he has superpowers. He seems to be very superpowered, Michael. Um, I'm, I'm looking at you, weird Anubis hound fucking body slam onto a spike. What oh, yeah. <laughs> But also, oh, he's taking hits from he's taking hits from cars. He's taking hits from buses. Yeah. He's falling multiple stories and landing on his head and walking it off. Like oh, I have a bone to pick with you, actually. Oh, with me? Go on. I have a bone to pick with you. Mister. You have a boner oh, for me. He hid the scarab in his fish tank, and that's why the fish got his fin back, and that's why he healed from the fall. No, it isn't. Yeah. It wasn't hidden in a fish tank. It was in a bloody storage locker. Get out of town. Well, Benjamin, there's going to be another mystical item in the fish tank, then, isn't there? And his name was Scotty, not Stevie. Get the fuck out of here. You get the fuck out of here. I was right on both counts. And you tried to... You gaslit the fuck out of me on last week. In front of a guest. One person calls him Scotty. One person calls him Stevie. I will admit that. I will concede that one. Uh, The security (laughs) guard calls him Scotty. But there's definitely something going on with the fish. The fish grew its fin back, Ben. Yeah, yeah. We haven't figured that out yet. Um, It hasn't been explained. We also don't know who his mother is. I'm curious to know who Stephen Grant's mother is. I don't think it's actually his mother at all, um, because we've never we've never heard her speak to him. Mm. Um, so we don't know who that mysterious person is. Well, um, I assumed that there was no one on the other line because he's, he's always he's just, just a, leaving. He's just leaving her voice messages. Yeah, do you think he's a madman? Just, I, I th- he's definitely a madman. Yeah, he's definitely yeah, a madman. Definitely but Mark Spector's mother is someone else. Yeah, that's that's a whole other story, isn't it? If he is the prime identity, we don't know. I think the way it's being hinted at, and I, I could yes, be wrong here, because what go we on. what we hear Mark Spector say is, as soon as this is all over, I will be out of your hair, I will be gone. Yeah, okay, we'll you'll know. never hear from me again. That doesn't work, because Conchu then talks to Mark Spector and says, you were a corpse when I found you. So is Mark Spector in this the disembodied spirit of another man put into little Stephen Grant or is he just a madman again oh, I think he's just a madman again but uh, Ben there's there's lots of stuff going on there's lots of weird stuff going on like how is it going to work um, how is it going to work and what's going to what's going to what's going to be what did you think Ben there were lots of um, there was lots of speculation about who Arthur Harrow might have been but it uh, turns out he's just a new character essentially and they borrowed a name yes that's 100% true um they were looking for the perfect character. Ethan Hawke signed on. I found out that Ethan Hawke signed on after chatting with Oscar Isaac without realizing who it was for five minutes. Oh, very um, good. Yeah, they were outside. They were both in. I think they were both in London or New York. I can't remember one of the big, the big one metropolitan the big cities, areas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the Tokyo two of them were, in the, were around the same area. And um, Ethan Hawke used to go and get his coffee every morning at a little um, at a little outside coffee place in, during the pandemic. 
And uh, one day some guy started talking to him. He's like, oh, I'm doing work for Disney. Would, would you would you feel like doing it? And he was like, I couldn't recognize him. And it took me a few minutes to realize it was Oscar Isaac pitching me on Moonlight. And I was like, ah, very oh, good. that's very enjoyable. Ethan Hawke was getting approached by weirdos all the time. And he was just like, yeah, sure, Disney. That's that's great, man. That's, that's Sure, really yeah. Cool. Sure you work for Disney. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll, no, I'll, I'd love to listen to your podcast. So anyway... Um, yeah, so that's how he pitched it. But um, he has had a huge influence on who Arthur Harrow is as a character. The name was picked, and he's completely different he's from a whole the Arthur thing. Harrow in the comic. Uh, the Arthur Harrow in the comics was a Nazi who was into pain science and yeah. researched ways of inflicting pain. He had his, he had his superpower was called the pain theory, and it was how to inflict the most amount of pain on a human being without them dying. That was his pain theory. Yeah, but um, this is just uh, he's another Egypt man. Yeah, and we got a little glimpse of that, I suppose, with the glass and the shoes, maybe, if you're looking for, for that. Oh, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but for the most part, he seems to be a former avatar of Khonshu. Mm. Um, I find it very interesting that Khonshu doesn't talk about him directly to Mark. He just says, kill him, kill him, yeah. kill him. He neither confirms nor denies. He neither confirms nor denies whether that is the case, because Khonshu's a big, mysterious bastard. Mm. He's no good. He seems like a bit of the baddie. He's Conchu uh, is almost certainly a dick bag, um, and that's really important based on the Jeff Lemire um, run, Welcome to New Egypt, because in that, uh, Mark Spector frees himself from Conchu's influence. Benjamin, I would love to hear what the Asgardians think of Conchu's people. Yeah, if they so, believe in them, if they think they're just a myth. Do the Egyptian gods think the uh, think the Norse gods are just a myth? What's going well, on? I mean, that's a really good question. So what we what we seem to have is a far more powerful being than a Norse god. Is um, that what you think? Well, judging from the judging from the way they can manifest in people's minds and choose avatars and stuff like that, that's something that was never touched in Thor. They got rid of Donald Blake. They disposed of the inhabiting the body kind of thing, and mm-hmm. Thor is just Thor. Yes. Um. Having but said that, have, though, having what? said that, it appears that the Norse gods have the power to bequeath their powers to others, which because, we've only recently which, found out, which we've which we've seen in Endgame. And I, my money is still on uh, Steve Rogers with the power of Thor versus Moon Knight. I still think Steve Rogers is going to take that one. I think Steve Rogers could take Moon Knight in any form. I don't. I don't know if Moon Knight has the the chops. Although it's hard to know because they both have superpowers. I, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, both... everyone's got superpowers now. There's no more. Everyone's he's just a normal man. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's an odd one and it's a hard one to fathom. I I think Conchu is inevitably going to be the baddie in in one form or another. They're all going to be baddies. Like Amet's going to be a baddie. Conchu's going to be a baddie. There's a there's a serious whack of like. Nietzschean kind of politics from Arthur Harrow. He's like, just get rid of them all. You know, everyone's morally corrupt at their core. We'll 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 judge them all. There's a weird zealous religious aspect to that, and it's going to be interesting. The cult Benjamin, is always fun. The cults are fun, Benjamin. That's one of my core beliefs, Benjamin. Yeah, there's a ser- serious whack of Project Insight off of Arthur Harrow's plan. Go on, you tell me a little bit more about that there now. Project Insight was Shields. Turns out Hydra's plan to. Uh, kill people before they did the crime so this this is a great question this is interesting because the original arthur harrow has ties to hydra because of his former status as a nazi so are they bringing that mm. little storyline back do you think we're going to get a little no i don't think so i think they've just gone oh shit we're 
23 films and 9 TV series and everything else deep we've run out of bad guy motivations let's go back to stopping evil before it happens yeah so we 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 did in fairness Michael despite all the divergence off the original origin story we did get a hint from noted Irishman Billy Fitzgerald DC Billy Fitzgerald who's <laughs> an Irishman's his boss an Irishman's his boss just in there um, but him and uh, what was it DC Lancaster was that her name something like that something like that she she was there um, and she explains that she gives a little bit of the classic backstory of Mark Spector which is that he was involved with Bushman yes and as a troop, they executed a bunch of uh, archaeologists in the desert. Mm, do you think we might see that next week in Egypt? Um, I think we will. That was kind of cool, isn't it? We're, we're out of London now and on to Egypt. It's like, oh, on to go hell. to Egypt. Benjamin. Yeah. I've forgotten what this week's main topic is. Uh, oh, I have it written down somewhere. Hang on. <laughs> so just a little uh, insight there for the listeners. Ben actually did have it written down somewhere and he did lose his notes and he is genuinely quite upset. I'm so upset about it. It's so much hard work this week. Um, he's trying to he's trying to segue it into a bit, but he, uh, he, he his face he looks crushed. He looks genuinely upsetting. Crushed. Um, so so Michael Michael, despite having forgotten it, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna give it a, a go anyway. Uh, this week, Michael, we'll be looking into Tabula Rossa. So there's a man in West Kerry, right? Yeah, <laughs> and um, he has this whole ability, yes, uh, to come into your life. And just help you start with a clean slate. He just wipes you clean like a magnet over a hard drive, Michael. Um, oh, very good. And everyone loves him down there because everyone gets a fresh start down there in West Kerry. And um, they all think, oh, do you know who's great? Tabula Rasa. What a, what a man, that Tabula Rasa. Um, no, I'm kidding, Michael. It's Tabula Rasa. We're taking a look at Tabula Rasa this week. It's a very good bit, though, for people who I, I, understand West of Ireland names. Yeah, Tabula Rasa. Um, <laughs> yeah, so very good. Yeah, I Sounds quite like enjoyed a name. it myself. Yeah, I spent quite a while writing that down. I wish I hadn't lost the rest of it. Um, but yeah, so anyway, uh, tabula, tabula Rasa, Michael, is the Greek concept of clean slate. Mm. Clean slate. It's a philosophical no- concept for the most part. Yeah, go on. Yeah, but you haven't got any memory. You, you ain't got no memory, Michael. You've been, you've been reverted back. You've been factory reset, Michael, mm. basically, uh, to your default settings. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we see it all the time, especially in serialized television. You always go get on. a little amnesia episode. Go on, a little, go on. A little taste of it. Well, I mean, some of the big ones, Michael, have been... Um, the one that I've looked at most here is uh, an act of voluntary tabula rasa, um, oh. which is from Doctor Who. So uh, Doctor Who, when it was the 10th iter- iteration of Doctor Who, uh, Mr. David Tennant, arguably the best mm. Doctor Who of the lot. Um, you wouldn't get any argument from me, Ben. No, you wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't think so. We both have a, a keen and... Um, deep respect for one David Tennant. David Tennant, so, yeah, yeah. I didn't think we'd have a lot of that, but anyway, in this, uh, Michael, there's a, a family of aliens, um, called the the family of blood. That's what they're called. And they what don't they do sound is like a good bunch of egg. Yeah, so they're very short lived. So what they do is they jump from host to host to host, manifesting themselves in the host, and they they die very quickly. Their their bodies, their life force, or whatever you want to call it wears out the bodies they are in and they are forced to constantly kind of flee death by jumping from host to host to host to host. Okay, now, yeah. Yeah, pretty boilerplate science fiction. Yeah. They hear about an eternal time being who actually regenerates every time they die 
um, and gets another goal of it. That'd be helpful. Yeah, so they say, right, well, we need to get him and figure out how we can steal that kind of ever-regenerating essence for ourselves. And they're very, very dangerous, Michael. And at the beginning of the episode, the, the beginning of the episode is The Family of Blood. Um, it's a two-parter mm. in Series 3 of the Doctor Who reboot. And Doctor Who goes, oh, this is really bad. These guys are going to get me. And they keep zoning in on my special Doctor Who-ness. So what he mm. does is he actually reverts to human form. He... Um, willingly gives up his time lordiness mm. through a MacGuffin, um, which yeah, allows special. him to store his uh, his time lordiness in a little yeah, a special MacGuffin. Amulet. Yeah. Um, and he becomes John Smith, um, boarding school teacher to a private school in England just before World War Two. Oh, classic uh, indescript name. Yeah, and what it is, Michael, is a, a fascinating episode. This is this this two parter is seen as the darkest Doctor Who episode, um, because it gives Doctor Who everything he's ever wanted, and oh. then takes it away from him. So while he is human, he has no memory of his adventures as the Time Lord. Oh. Okay, so he is essentially a clean slate, um, mm. a Tabula Rasa. And what happens to him is um, he dreams about his adventures as the Time Lord every night. Um, but during the day, he's a school teacher at this private school and he falls in love. Um, and, you know, it's, he's having a wonderful time as a human. Who's he falling okay. in love with? He falls in love with the matron of the private school who's played by... Have you ever seen Spaced? Yeah. The sitcom with Simon Pegg, Daisy. who, who The woman who plays Daisy on Spaced Yes, is, I've forgotten her real name. but uh, I've forgotten uh, her real name. Is it Jennifer or Jessica? Or, uh, anyway... It's her. She's the matron. They fall in love. Um, and David Tennant's Doctor Who, John Smith, is a very happy man. Now, unfortunately, it being Doctor Who, the family of blood track him down regardless. Oh, no. Um, and they possess different people around the school and um, they try and hunt him down again. So it's up to Martha, who is the companion of the time, to try and restore Doctor Who's memory so that he can fight him. Right, Fight she's them. like, ah, okay. it's me, it's me, Martha, um, and she has to figure out a way to get the memory back to him. He has to willingly open the MacGuffin to become Doctor Who again. Um, so she's trying to figure out a way to do that, and it's all very interesting. Anyway, mm. what happens when we when we see that Michael is that you know there are many moral questions we ask ourselves about our heroes. One of them is, are they inherently good? Like, if you were to take away the burden of responsibility, in this case, being the last Time Lord. Would they continue to be a force of good? Would they be the same brave, fearless person um, that we've always seen? Ah. And it's a very interesting question. It it begs the question of inherent morality and the notion of experience forming character and stuff like that. And what we find in this Doctor Who is, despite not having you know, his usual things, he's always good. He always does the right thing. Um. And when we look at characters like Doctor Who, who've had a, a large amount of longevity, we sometimes ask the question, you know, ah, well, they, they don't really have anything to lose in being good. Do you know what I mean? They're they're an eternal time lord and they've just seen it shake out and they choose good every time because, you know, the stakes aren't too high for them because they're just, you know, eternal time lords and consequences don't matter. In this, Michael, what we get to see is we get to see the core of Doctor Who, played by David Tennant, and we get to see that he is an inherently good man um russell t davies who 
uh, penned this particular episode, Michael, um, he creates a kind of microcosm of Doctor Who. So Doctor Who as a character is a much superior being in terms of intelligence, experience, you know, technology, all these other things. And he has fashion. chosen to protect humanity. Fashion. He's very Hair. Um, hair. Great hair. Very solid. Mm. Um, and he's chosen to protect humanity. And what what it is, is when we create this um, kind of head teacher, schoolboy dynamic, it's a very similar world to Doctor Who trying to impart his knowledge onto all the students so we get a very Mm. similar thing again and we get to see his patience uh, as a man you know trying to help lesser beings and stuff like that it's very interesting but fundamentally what it does is it creates one of the darkest moments in doctor who history michael go on where doctor who is utterly happy as john smith in a way that he's never been in the series because he doesn't feel that unbearable weight of responsibility like nicholas cage like Nicolas Cage, the umbrella. we should go see that with um, Connor, friend of the podcast, yes. Connor. But anyway, it, yeah. he doesn't have to make. He's he's happy, but the family of blood force him to give that up. So he gives up this entire happy life, and then he goes on an absolute rampage, Michael. Good um, archer esque rampage against the family of blood. So the family of blood crack it. They they figure out the secret to his immortality, and they take some of it for themselves. Uh-oh. Now, normally, it, it, he gives a whole speech. It's one of the, it's a phenomenal speech. You should look it up on YouTube. It really, it really gives. It really shows David Tennant as a, a really impressive character uh, actor, and it becomes known as um, the fury of a good man. Is what it's. Oh. It and it establishes a trope that will be used in Doctor Who again and again and again. Doctor Who is great until he's pushed too far, and then he becomes a terrifying being because of what he can do. Mm, um, don't push him and he doesn't do it through he doesn't do it through you know oh I have a deep dark power inside me or you know it's not like a, an anime transformation where someone's hiding a, a demon inside them that comes out when they get angry or a Hulk mode he just becomes very cold and cynical and he has access to things so what he does is to punish the family of blood is he takes each one of them to an eternal punishment and he sets up their own kind of Sisyphean punishment where they're just trapped in a place for eternity so one of them gets dropped into a black hole um Uh where they can't get out they just live forever in the black hole on a loop um another one is like dropped into the depths of a planet um to sit in a and it's very very dark very very impressive episode i think one Um, of them ben ends up having a podcast one of them ends up having a podcast with mick leonard yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) i've bloody trapped you benjamin um, yeah I have watched a film for you. Go on. I have watched, Ben, a film we've talked about on this podcast before. We keep mentioning it in passing and saying we'll come back to it someday. But I've done it. I've gone ahead and done it. I've watched 1998's Dark City. Dark City. No one lights. Of your fav- one of your favourites and mine, Benjamin. Alex Proyas's 1998's Dark City. Go Benjamin, on. have you seen it and do you remember seeing it? No and no. Okay. Well, it's very good, Benjamin. It comes from the era of, do you remember 1999's The Matrix? I do, actually, yeah. It comes from that era, Ben, and was filmed in the same studio as it, and looks and feels a lot like it in many ways, but cheaper. But cheaper, Ben. But much cheaper. But much cheaper. And it stars Russell Sewell, Ben. Okay. Um, The 90s equivalent of Oscar Isaac. Oh, good. And, And one day, Ben, he just wakes up in a big, gross bath, and he's in the nude... 
Oh yeah. And uh, he's in a he's in a hotel room and he's in the nude and there's a dead prostitute Ben on the floor. Oh, that's no good. And he doesn't know where he is or who he is or how he got there or what's going on. That's and no he's good. Gonna, and he's, he's kind of a tabula rasa in lots of ways, Ben. A kind of a blank slate, if you will. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, he's just got a little cut in the front of his forehead and he has no idea about anything else that's going on. So, Ben, okay. off he heads into the dark city to try and figure out what the heck is going on here. Yeah, that's fair. And I'll tell you what's going on, Ben. Go on. Absolute bonkers mad shit is what's Go going on. Go on, tell me more, tell me more. It's absolute bonkers mad shit that's going on, Benjamin. For one thing, Benjamin, have you ever seen The Matrix? Yes, I have, yeah. It's very like that, Benjamin, because there's more going on in this dark city than meets the eye, if you will. Right, right. I, I, what, I'm, what I'm saying, Ben, is it's not real. None of it's real, you say? Well, it's kind of real. It's not uh. quite as fake as The Matrix, but it's a little bit fake. I don't, want, I don't know how much I want to spoil this, because if you haven't seen it, Ben, it came out in the cinemas in 1998 and right. was utterly ruined by a five or six minute preamble which explained exactly what's going on. Oh, no. Imagine, Ben, if the, the Matrix had opened with, in the future, oh, machines no. have taken over the world and people live in pods. But they don't know they're in pods. They think they're in the Matrix. And one normal man called Thomas Smith is... Imagine if the Matrix had that as an opening crawl. That'd be no good, would it? It would be no good whatsoever. And that's what they did with Dark City, the the cinematic version, Ben. Yeah. But you'll be glad to hear. You'll be glad to hear. You'll be glad to hear. There was a director's cut released, which removed all of that. And... That seems to have become the default version these days. So on the internet, Ben, for love nor money, I couldn't find the theatrical version. Good, because that probably makes the film a better film. It makes the film a way better film. That's a classic example of studios just not trusting audiences to be smart enough. No, they did not trust it. And unfortunately, it ruins the whole point. Because the whole point of the film is to be, we wake up in this gross bath with Russell Sewell, and we're going just as he's going. What is this place? Why does everyone fall asleep at the same time at midnight every night? Yeah. And why is it never day? We're and just a pack of Rosses wandering around. We're, but no, no, everyone else in the cinema, everyone else in it seems to understand what's going on and be living their lives normally. But he's the oh. only one who isn't. He's the only tabula rasa. Okay, and so. We, we as the viewers are there on the journey with them. Okay. Unless you put a preamble before where you explain the whole damn thing. And it's just like, this guy's fairly thick. I've known what's going on since the start. I've like, literally known what's going on since the start. Ben, your favourite actor and mine is in it, William Hurt. I love William Hurt, who recently He's, passed away. Very he recently passed hear. away, yeah. So I was very happy to see him. He plays the detective, Ben, who's on the case. Oh, nice. He's on the case down of the lad that murders prostitutes and then wanders around going, oh, God, amnesia. Oh, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, I've got amnesia. I don't remember, Benjamin. I don't remember what's going on. A am I who I think story. I am? Benjamin, he finds out from his amnesia that his wife is Jennifer Connolly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm I tell sure, you, there's, uh, worse, there's worse surprises I can imagine. Like, I, think, I think if you were to um, talk to noted English actor Paul Bethany, he'd tell you the same. <laughs> If Paul Bethany got a bump on the head and then woke up and went, Ooh, oh, bloody hell, I've had a bump on the head. Who am I and what am I doing here? What are you doing here, actress Jennifer Connolly? And Hello, she said, I'm, your I'm your wife, wife, Jennifer Connolly. 
I'm your wife, actress Jennifer Connolly, and he would say, oh, oh, very good, very good. Okay, great. <laughs> That's fantastic. good. Don't need a reset. I'm not going to pull at this thread. Everything's <laughs> fine. Yes. So, Benjamin, yeah. I'm going to tell you what's the cause of the tabula rasas, because one of the interesting things for me in talking about these amnesias is the variety of reasons for amnesias. Okay. Because sometimes, Ben, like in 1999's Memento, Yes, yes, a classic. It, it's some sort of biological problem caused by an injury or an accident. Yeah, yeah. Like you get shot in the head and you get shot right in the memory. A little pew pew. But not in Dark City, Ben. Do you want big spoilers oh. for Dark City? All right, well, hang on now. We'll do, we'll do a big spoilers here for Dark City. All we'll right. We'll do a big spoilers for 1998's Dark City, for the 24-year-old film Dark City. Go on now. Here we go, Benjamin. People the are ready. The whole yet. city, the whole city, Ben, is... An experiment by a group of gross bald aliens where, where they take humans and inject them with new memories every night and set them off on their lives. And Russell Sewell's character accidentally wakes up during the process. So wakes up as a blank slate. But okay. ev- everyone else gets reset every night at midnight, Ben. So um, he's the only one who's not in the cycle anymore. And I'll tell you what, it's great. It's very intriguing and interesting. And obviously, Ben, very big Matrix vibes off it. Now, now Michael, come here to me. Come here Go to on. me. Go on. You have unwittingly handed me the greatest segue in the history of this podcast. Well, here you go. Thank you very much. That has to be the inspiration for Joss Whedon's Dollhouse. Oh, do you think so? I, I 100% think so. This notion of injecting memories into a clean slate and then seeing what happens. Hmm. Because, Michael, as soon as I decided on this topic this morning when you texted me saying, what the fuck are we going to talk about in the podcast today? What are we going to talk about in the podcast? I forget. Yeah, I forget. Um, I went and we came up with this one. But, Michael, that's that's pretty much the the, the central premise of Dollhouse. Dollhouse is, is the notion that you could take a person. Yeah. Taboola rasp them. Yeah. Okay. And then you can purposefully build yeah, a persona. for sex. And l- <laughs> You could purposefully build yeah. a persona and load it on up into yeah, that and then pers- use them for sex. Yeah, and then use them for sex over a five-year contract that isn't actually a five-year contract, but we'll get into that. Anyway, Michael, when we decided on this topic, I was like, there's one show that has taken this actual experiment of the blank slate to the nth degree, and it's looked into it from multiple bloody angles. Every angle you can think of. Every angle you can think of. And that's the two seasons of the short-lived show Dollhouse by Joss mm. Whedon. Yeah, starring Eliza Dushku. Your favourite and mine, Eliza Dushku. Yeah, starring Eliza Dushku, um, who does a pretty decent job, actually, of playing multiple personalities and would later go on to inspire what I can only imagine is Orphan Black. There's certainly an inspiration for Orphan Black. Benjamin, I have seen every episode of Dollhouse. I quite enjoyed it. It It is a bit... It's a slow, it gets off to a slow start. It's a slow burn. And it's a bit of a slow burn at the start because rather than focusing in on the blank slate memory wiping interesting technology and the world that creates it's procedural cases of the week now yeah there are only three episodes of procedural cases of the week before it hits the skids and it gets interesting yeah but, but we still to slog through those three you do have to slog through those three i think one of them might be called tabula rasa benjamin probably i think it's probably episode one we're big into spoilers here because we're oh, going to be big into spoilers I think that actually, to be honest, um, Eliza Dushku is the weakest multiple character performer in it. Oh, go on. Tell me a little bit more there. Because, Benjamin, the actor Enver Gojak 
Yeah. Who plays Victor. Ah, Victor. Is absolutely incredible. It's a spectacular powerhouse performance from him as multiple characters, including at various times almost every other main character. And he is an absolute mimic. He is incredible. He, uh, yeah, he's very, very good in that show. He's a very good actor in general. You don't see him much anymore. The last thing I saw him in was The Walking Dead. He was in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Ben. I, that's not a real show, Michael. I wish you would stop having this mass delusion on the podcast. It doesn't exist. There's oh, no, no show. Oh, no. Am There's I no a, show called that. Am I having an amnesiac moment? Yes, you're a bit of a tabula rasa. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Benjamin, sorry, Victor, he's very good. He's very good, very good at acting. But what's it got to do with memories, is what I'm asking. Yeah, you. so the whole concept of this, Michael, is that you can wipe a human being, yeah. store their personality on a drive, Go on. and then that, that, that blank slate can then be uploaded with new personalities. So there's, there's a little bit of in-show jargon for that, okay? Yeah. You have what's called actives. Yes. And those are essentially the blank slates. Mm, did okay. I fall asleep? It probably should have been called passives, but yeah, you have the actives. And the actives are creepy little dolls, mm. by by all intents and purposes. Um, the woman on the show, the, the main woman who runs the dollhouse. Yes. Whose name um, escapes me, British actress. British actress Victoria Veronica something. Uh, something or other. She explains this to Elijah Dushku a little bit later in season one um, as when our pass- when our actives are in their their non-engaged state because that's the other their way doll they state yeah. their doll state they are as innocent and vulnerable as children a blank Ugh. slate she literally says it out loud oh gross uh, which is gross and it, it has a lot of questions Michael and it's explored as a theme in season 2 and a little bit in season 1 as well you know what if people decided to take advantage of these little blank slate folks um, and that's exactly what happens sometimes and it's real weird but, Michael, then what they do is they are uh, assigned to engagements. And the engagements are their task of the day or their case of the week or whatever way you want to frame it. And Topher, who's their creepy little shaggy kind of from Scooby-Doo uh, hacker boy. Yeah. He's doing a uh, shaggy from Scooby-Doo voice. Yeah. Will. Rare. Oh, that's Scooby. Never mind. <laughs> uh, like Zoinks, Echo, you've been uploaded with a code. That kind of that's thing. Pretty much, that's pretty much it. That's almost spot um, on. And Topher will then create a program for the perfect uh, scenario um, and upload it into the active. Mm. So that could pretty come much with exactly, uh, pretty much exactly like Dark City. Pretty much exactly like Dark City, Michael. Now, uh, in it, there are so many questions explored in that. Um, first of all, the clients are almost always creepy rich people. Because mm. um, it's within, expensive. Yeah, within this technology, it costs millions to take out the contract. Um, so some people use them as dates. Some people use them as assassins. Some people use them as concubines for like political functions and things like that, the perfect date and things like that. And Eliza Dushku, who plays Echo on this, um, was caught in the middle of an act and then signed over her life so that she wouldn't get arrested. Um, and she became a doll in the dollhouse. Um, and... Outside of this, our our blank slate, I suppose, is her bodyguard, played by Joss Whedon, classic. What's his name? The big lad does the lots of fella, C, yeah. does lots of CW stuff. Does he? 
these days. Oh no, he was in Man of Steel. Boyd Langton. Uh, no, Boyd Langton. that's the uh, that's the character Harry Harry Lennox. Yeah, so boy, yeah, Harry Lennox um, is there, and he's kind of our introduction to this world. Um, and we won't go into too many spoilers there, but we'll, we'll get into it. But the other man um, at the opposite end of this is Agent Ballard, who's trying to track down the dollhouse. He's he um, he knows uh, that. Sorry, my brain has just gone completely blank. How to build a rasa of me? Um, <laughs> Agent Agent Ballard. Remember your notes, Ben. Agent Ballard knows that the dollhouse exists, and he is the man trying to track it out. And once using that, we've realised how big this kind of network of um, the dollhouse actually is. It's a little bit similar to Moon Knight, where uh, poor Stephen Grant keeps realising that people are part of the cult of Amit. Yeah, um, that's very good. Where it's What's like, the name oh. of the actor? What's the name of the actor Ben who plays Paul Ballard? I can't remember his name. Is it Ross? Uh, no, I'm just going to put it up there on the screen for you because I love you pronouncing foreign names. Um, uh, it's one okay, of my favourites. Pull it, pull it out there a little bit. You're a little bit too close. Okay, so it's... Tam Ho <laughs> Yeah, it's close enough. Oh, that wasn't funny. Uh, that wasn't funny he, for the listeners, Ben. He plays... He plays. Sorry, I'll say Tam Ho um, That's better. That better. That's much better. Um... And he he is trying to track all this down. But within this world, Michael, we, we run into so many issues because is there is there such a thing as a true blank slate? That's one of the big questions that Dollhouse kind of puts to us where people keep getting their memories back in short bursts. And one of the really interesting things that Topher is fascinated by is that this is the herd and then the Boyd, the bodyguard, says they're not. These aren't bison, and Tover is like they're a little bit bison. So they're yeah, what yeah, they yeah. are is they are reverting to instinctual patterns of human behavior where they group together and they talk to each other, and you know it's very very strange. Um, and it's kind of a fascinating look at that. And then obviously, um, spoilers for a show that came out a decade ago. No, way more. Way more. Twenty years ago. Not quite. Okay, I think it was two thousand five. 2005 17 years ago yeah um and in that particular one um it, oh no 2009 sorry 2009 it's a lot more so recent it's a lot more recent 13, than that, but 13 years. For it. we meet the character of alpha who is a character that was supposed to be a blank slate and through some kind of mishap ends up getting all of the personality traits that have ever been uploaded into his brain back mm. and it kind yeah. of shatters his mind psychologically because um, he has so many bloody personalities rolling around his noggin. Um, a real Stephen Grant situation. A real Stephen Grant situation. But it's a fascinating look at Tabula Rasa, Michael, as a concept. Benjamin. So there you go, yeah. Do you remember earlier when I was saying that one of the best things about Dark City, without the introduction, is that, um, is that what's his name, Rus- Russell Sewell, wakes up in a bathtub, and we're there with him, and we're going, what's going on? And he's going, what's going on? Yeah. And so yeah, there's no need... Yeah, remember that? Remember that whole it thing I said? happened on this podcast, yeah. It happened on this podcast about 10 minutes ago. Unless you have the memento form of uh, amnesia, that's not going to happen. Benjamin. Yes. One of the greatest uses of um, of that kind of waking up in a new situation and not knowing what's going on. One of the strongest times you'll ever see that employed is in video games. In video games? Because, Benjamin, if you're in a video game... You often have to be introduced into the world of the video game, like you you turn on your you turn on your out screen, you turn on your monitor, uh, and you get a little cutscene intro to the game where you're going, oh, so I'm in this world, and in this world there's robots and there's aliens and there's uh, spooky fellas coming to get me. But 
if you're doing an amnesia character, then the game is you. Because when you get the blank slate, when you're the tabula rasa, Ben, the tabula rasa is the main character, but it's also you. It's just player, you. Experiencing the world for the first time with no prior knowledge. Yeah, a classic. So it, it's been done a shitload of times, Ben, in video games. In fact, you could almost argue that before video games were plot-based, everything was. Because you just jump into World 1.1 of Super Mario Brothers and you have no fucking idea who Mario is, who you are, what's going on. But they were not. that was pre-plot-based video games. Pokemon's so, a great you know, example of that, where you have to give him a name and all. You have to give him a name and you know he's you. Well, any role-playing game is a good example. Yeah. But at least in, at least in Pokemon, in Pokemon they explain it by you're a 10-year-old child and an idiot. So people are always explaining things to you. You're a dose. Yeah. You can buy potions in the shop, you dope. We, we should do like, a play oh. along. We should do a play along where we call ourselves Dose, the Pokemon trainer. <laughs> <laughs> Just go, oh, all right, Dose, let me explain yeah. this to you. <laughs> let me explain walking to you, you fucking Dose. But, Benjamin, there are plenty yeah. of games where the plot is a tabula rasa situation. One of the, not the earliest, Ben, but one of the memorable ones, early ones where it was integral, was the Sega Mega Drive game Flashback. I thought you were going to say Quiet Mound. No, Flashback. Oh, go on, tell me more. And in, Fla- in Flashback, Ben, you are a main character who's just some sort of man-type person. A man-type, eh? A man-type person. And you wake up in the I middle of some sort of... That. Some sort of man-type person. That's exactly how I would describe you to the police. Benjamin. <laughs> yes, sorry. You you wake up in some sort of horrific alien experiment sort of thing and you manage to escape. Oh, good for you. And you, and you crash land on this lush alien planet. Oh, nice. And that's it. You're going, oh no, now what? And then you just now figure it out. Doing? And you just to figure it out, Ben. Oh, that's very uh, intense, isn't it? Isn't it? But that's what I'm saying, Benjamin. So you're going around and you're looking for hollow cubes that might tell you a little bit more about who you are. Maybe you might find an ID card so you'll know your own name. And maybe you'll find a hollow cube who tells you what tells you what tells you who holds you what, how you got in that situation. Uh Uh-huh. And then the plot gradually unfolds with you. Okay. Another classic, Ben, is Amnesia. Um, Amnesia? The game, Ben, Amnesia, the PC game, Amnesia, The Dark Descent, Benjamin, one of the most effective horror games of all time. Inspiring the likes of, of, of Quiet Mound. What the hell is Quiet Mound? Silent Hill. Oh, Silent Hill. Well, Silent Hill, Silent Hill's not really, because in Silent Hill you pay Harry, and, okay, Harry has memory issues, but Harry's not you. Okay, all and, right, you're inhabiting you know, a character. I see what you mean. I see what but you in, mean. in... In these games, you are the character who doesn't know what's going on, especially more modern ones because it's a first-person view. Go on, tell me more. So in Andesia, The Dark Descent, Ben, all you know is that your name is Daniel and you're in a castle and something's coming to get you. Oh, no. And you're like, oh, That's why is my, my name Daniel? Nightmare. Why is my name Daniel? Um, and the great thing about it being a first-person um, kind of action-adventure game is you have to go around and read memoirs and pick up clues and gradually figure out who you are. Ooh. Ah. And I tell you what, I tell you what, Ben, it turns out you tabula rasa yourself. Get out of town. It's a Jim Carrey, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind moment. 
it's a kind of Jim Carrey Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind moment and uh, it's very good Benjamin there's quite a little a neat little twist as you gradually uncover who you are and why you've done this to yourself you're a real bastard were you oh real bad me egg. you mean Oh, you, me or the character you one of the best tabula rasas Ben you, you in video be, game history one of the absolute very bad man until you decided to mind wipe yourself and do a podcast with me <laughs> yeah, now I'm just a moderately bad person Benjamin <laughs> yeah. One of the all time greatest Mind amnesiac characters Is Have you ever played Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic I haven't I haven't Star actually. Wars Knights of the Old Republic Ben was a Bioware video game Oh yeah from, And it's probably from around then as well It's probably oh, from yeah. the early 2000s Back when everything was about Amnesia and having your own mind wiped It's a classic and you play a classic Jedi type person, Ben. Oh yeah. Um you play a classic moves. Jedi. Some You've got some Jedi moves. Push. You can be a man, you can be some a lady, you can be what be whatever you want. And you're going on a big adventure, Ben. You're going on a big adventure to stop the return of one Darth Revan. Well, that doesn't sound good. No, Darth Revan's a real piece of shit. Okay, he's a real piece of shit. Or she. Or she. Or Guess she. Why, ben? Big spoilers, Ben. Is it you? You're Darth Revan. Mick Leonard I bet you weren't is Darth Revan. That. Not me. Not me personally. Oh. You, the, the player. Game, you mean? The player character. Oh, you, okay. yeah. So the character that you have been playing and building for 60, 70 hours on this epic quest and making lots of friends and having all these adventures, it turns out you were the main prick. You're, you're the main prick. Much like the revelation that came to you at the end of this very episode, Michael. You are oh, the main no. prick. Oh, that seems very personal. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, who do you think the main prick of this particular podcast is? And oh, would you take the opportunity? <laughs> would you take the opportunity of being a blank slate if you could? If you would, let us know what kind of blank slate you'd like to be. Would you like to be an uploadable blank slate? Would you like to be a bloody escaping from aliens blank slate? Get yeah, in touch a Jedi. With a Jedi, a Jedi if you want. Uh, get in touch with us in a couple of different ways. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seanrabiog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. Sort of, maybe a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. You can also find us on Instagram, at Your Luxury Listen Podcast. Always up to date with the freshest content. Which is absolutely fine, lads. But really, if you want to get in touch with us, the best way to do it for an instant response and a bit of charming banter with the boys is to get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it, Benjamin. Um, Benjamin, this week on the Discord, we had some uh, some very interesting spoilers for Thor Love and Thunder. Oh, did we? We did, Benjamin. Once again, Benjamin, as the world is starting to return to normal, the boys and girls in the old toy industry are spoiling everything for us. <laughs> so we're seeing all the character designs and costumes and uh, what everyone's going to look like from Thor Love and Thunder from the next Marvel, we- Levin- eh, Marvel Legends wave. Bloody toy companies. Bad bunch of lads. Ah, oh, they're, they're leaky spigots, Ben. Leaky spigots, a lot of them. Well, come here to us. We're going to do an episode next week on the best leaky spigots. Um, that's exactly <laughs> what we're going to look at. The likes of your willies from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, that kind of thing. It'll be a good episode. Willie the Snitch that works in the Demon Bar. Ah, oh, we're going to talk about snitches. We're going to talk about snitches, Michael. Leaky spigots. Oh, I definitely came up with that great in the spot. But, that's uh, a great idea That's what we're doing The best snitches in pop culture So get okay, your thinking caps cool. on And suggest them to us On bloody discords Oh please do Because I can only think of one And it's the one you've just said <laughs> Yeah it is um, There's loads And we'll take a look at them Next week on the podcast That's it Benjamin. from us Ladies and gentlemen Yeah go on 
uh, just on one last thing about previous podcasts. I've bought book one of the Dresden Files. I've buckled. Yes. I've bought it. I've got it. Actually, my good lady friend bought it for me. Oh, very she good. Bought, she, she listened to the podcast and said, read that, you heathen. And then she slapped you in the face with a Harry Dresden she book. Th- she th- she hit me with a Harry Dresden book. I tell you what, though, Ben, only a couple of hundred pages, so I'm fine. I haven't taken a severe knock on the head and I don't have amnesia. You'll be grand. That's excellent news. I have also started listening uh, to the Dresden Files, read by one James Marsters. Um, oh. Yeah, Michael. Um, so look at us, both under the influence of a charismatic cult leader named Arthur Harrow. I mean, Connor Dunn. Um, yeah, he's so cultish. Yeah, he's so bloody charming. So bloody charming. Just do whatever he says. Anyway, we're off to buy Connor a bunch of stuff from his Amazon wish list. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. I was going to do a little joke there and say we better get this podcast started. I was going to to say, Ben, we better get this podcast started. Kind of a a little gag that I'd forgotten that we'd done it. Like an amnesia. Never mind. See you next week. Very good. Bye-bye.